0: Well, this is a last message in a series we've been doing called Belong. How many have got some great friends in their life? Yeah. How many got some friends that you could do with cutting loose? Yeah. You know, don't look around too closely. Yeah. I need let you go. But do you know, I don't need to know you, I just need to know the people that you're in a relationship with, to know you. If I, I went through your, your list of people you call and went to the person you call the most. If I ask them about you, it's likely I'll find out more about you from them than I would from you. In fact, Proverbs 27 says, a mirror reflects a person's face, but what they're really like is displayed by the friends that they choose. And our friends have the power to take us into our destiny or take us away from our destiny. Come on, how many want to enter into everything that God has for has. We call this series, Belong. It's a longing to be. It's not a longing to do, it's not do long. It's belong. And within each and every one of us, there's this longing to belong, there's this longing to be connected. Here's the deal, at Church, we often say significant ministry flows out of significant relationship, and the good news today is in the kingdom of God, you're loved already. The moment you walk through these doors, you're loved. You don't need to do anything just because of who God's created you to be. You're loved, and God has a plan, and He has a purpose for your life. Come on, how many believe that tonight? Come on, can we give God a big clap of praise for the relationships that He's put into our world? And how about high five, five people before you take your seat? Tell them good to be sitting next to you in church. If you got your Bible, let's go to Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three. Going to Read two verses from Genesis chapter 3. It says, Then the Lord called Adam and said to him, Where are you? Everybody say, Where are you? Where are you? Look at your neighbor and say, where are, where are you? You may say, I'm in the altar center. No, but where are you? You know, often we use that phrase, You know, where are you at? You know, we know where you're at physically, but where are you at at the inside? How many know you can be here but somewhere else? You know, and here God comes to Adam, He knew where He was. You know, this omniscient all knowing, omnipresent God. It's not like, oh, flip, I lost my tom-tom. <laughs> I lost my G- uh, GPS. You know, where, where the heck is Adam? He, he knew where he was. Uh, but he was saying, where are you? And uh, so he said, I heard, this is Adam, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. I was afraid because I heard your voice, I heard your voice and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. If you've got a phone right now, I want you to pull it out. Everyone pull out their phone. Everybody pull out your phone wherever you are. Most people are carrying phones in this place. Just pull it out, pull it out. Many of you taking notes on it. Many of you got your Bible on it. Uh, But what I want you to do is go to your settings and I want you to go to airplane mode. Uh, Some of you are a little bit reluctant right now it's Like, oh, but I can't get any messages. What's that? Hey, somebody needs me in the next 30 minutes. You know, it's like, that's a little bit freaky for some people in here, but don't, tell them, don't worry, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Okay, now, now you're in aeroplane mode. Now you can switch it back on where you can get other connections. It's safe to turn on your phones now. The plane has landed. The plane is now. Now, at, at the top of your screen, what you'll see is you'll see a search button. And right now, your phone will be searching for a network. How many Vodafone people out there? How many Spark people out there? Any Two Degrees people out there? Oh, Two Degrees wins it on the noise. Yeah, right now, it's searching for a network. As soon as you've found that network, if a a message has come in between the time you turned it on to Aeroplane Reconnected, uh, you would be now receiving that message. Uh, but until your phone connects with the network, nothing happens that 's just now some of you know this really well i don 't need to tell you that but here 's the deal soon as you connect with a network, something impossible or amazing happens yeah it 's it's like miracles take place, and they take place in an invisible world and suddenly, your phone has more capabilities than what it did when it was on airplane mode. When you're connected to that network, you're able to access stuff that you previously couldn't. You're able to fix bugs. You're gonna be able to download apps. You're gonna be able to connect with other people. And it's through this connection, the resources of the outside world are suddenly at your disposal. See, one connection makes anything possible. Just one connection takes the resources on the outside and makes them available on the inside. See, the, the phone previously had limitations. Uh, when it didn't have a connection, it couldn't get bigger, it couldn't get b- better. Uh, but without that connection, it, it was like that phone was, uh, couldn't achieve what it was designed to do. How many know phones are designed to connect? And you and I are designed, we live in a world where we're designed to connect. Yeah, uh, sure, on an airplane mode, you might be able to access your calendar, you might be able to tell the time, you may be able to view old emails and old photos, but without a strong and steady connection, nothing better can occur. I wanna challenge you right at the start that it's the relationships in your life that take you higher. It's the relationships in your life that make you better. And and without a connection to other people, your life is limited. You'll continually reproduce the same results. It's like you're on a plane. No matter how hard you try, things are not going to get better. They're exactly the same. Uh, You've got to understand, uh, the moment we're born, the moment we land, on this earth, there's a chip inside each and every one of us that's searching for a connection. Uh, here's the thing, this searching, this needing for a connection is not optional to any of us. Uh, we're, we're all searching. It's hardwired in us. It's all, it's like the searching that's always on, even when you don't know it, even when you don't desire it. As long as your mind uh, alive your 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 heart your mind your soul uh, will be searching for a connection another a, a community that will bring life see see we all need community and we're all searching for it did, did you know today if you eat unhealthy but are yet connected to a close knit community you'll live longer than somebody who's isolated and eats healthy food. Wow. Come on, that's good news for some of us out there. Because <laughs> some of you are fearing, I eat unhealthy. But you'll live longer because you are connected to a close-knit community. See, so you've got to understand, uh, the need to connect starts from the womb to the tomb. And it goes to the tomb. How many here would say, uh, how many here would say they've been lost before? Uh, Loss. Uh, How many have been lost in a relationship? Uh, Lost is searching for something, but you can't find it. I, I like this passage of scripture found in Genesis 3, because here God comes to Adam and he says, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Again, this omnipresent, in other words, he's everywhere. This omniscient God who knows everything is asking where Adam is. How many know we get into trouble when we don't know where we are? Uh, We don't know where we're at. We're just cruising through life. Things are going on, uh, but we can't locate ourselves. Uh, Even if you don't tell your friend where you're at, or even if you don't tell your wife, or your children, or your boss, or your pastor, at least you need to tell yourself where you're at. See, it wasn't, As though God didn't know where Adam was at. It was that Adam didn't know where he was at. And and there's only two things worse than being a phony. Or wearing a mask with other people. And that's being a a phony with yourself. It's lying to yourself. In fact, that's the nature of deception. And, And when we don't know where we're at... We can't then be real with others. See, any connection that's gonna make a difference in your life, it starts with a connection with God because until you're real with God, you won't be real with yourself. After all, God's the one who's created us. He knows us from the inside out. He wrote the manual on you. He's got a special manual for Matt Gregory He's got a special manual for each and every one of us. He wrote the manual on us, so he knows us better than we know ourselves. And until you connect with God, until you're real with God, you won't be real with yourself. But here's the deal, until you're real with yourself, you won't be real with others. Yeah, you put this mask, you put this facade up. And so at least if you're gonna be honest, You need to be honest with yourself. See, Adam said, I heard your voice, and I was afraid, so I hid. I I heard your voice, I was afraid, so I hid. You know, so many of us right now, we're hiding. Uh, We live in a place where we can't be our true self. Uh, We think if I shared that, if people knew that about me, they wouldn't accept me. And so we go into hiding, we put on these masks. We have these veneers that cover over the real us. It's a little bit like one-way glass though, I've found. You know, in fact, one person once was, was, had, had this thing going on in their life and they thought nobody else knew about it and uh, they were doing stuff that they shouldn't. Uh, but the problem was they were doing it in front of one-way glass. And so, why they thought nobody else could see uh, what was happening was people were looking through and seeing. Them, were looking through and seeing them, but they thought they were hiding. I think that happens a lot of the time in yours and my life. We think we're hiding, but in actual fact, everybody can see us. Now, excuse me, your rejection is showing. Excuse me, your insecurity is showing. We think we're masking it, we think we're hiding it, but it, it's obvious for everyone else except ourselves. We're looking into the mirror, you know, adjusting ourselves and different things like that, but that's seen right through us. Not only other people, but more importantly, God sees everything. Now, this morning, I, I talked about seven emotional strongholds that are a sign that there's a root of rejection in our life. You and I are born rejected, rejected by God. You know, theologically, a holy God can't exist with people who sin. And so we're born rejected. That's why Jesus had to come. He had to die on the cross and pay the price of our sin so that we could be reconnected with God's original intention for our life. Come on, how many are glad about that fact? But we're born rejected. And because of our sin, there's this rejection in us. And it displays itself in different ways in our life. I'm gonna quickly go over the seven ways that it displays itself. Seven emotional strongholds. That at the root, at the heart of it is a spirit of rejection. Here's the good news today. As we talked about this morning, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set at liberty all those who are crushed. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to heal that wound in your life. He came to heal that place where you're crushed. He came to heal that place that's been shattered. It's like sometimes things happen in life. And we try and piece them together, but it's just impossible. And and we will live with wounds and hurts where people have hurt us, abused us. Situations haven't turned out as we thought. You know, relationship breakdowns, divorce. You know, somebody we loved hasn't loved us back the same way. And there's this hurt and there's this pain in our life. And we think, well, it's just easy to remove myself from people and live life all by myself. But how many know God has never intended that, uh, that way? God wants us to experience not only relationship with Him, but a, a connection, a place of belonging with one another. God, that's the design of the church. This is one big family. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're part of the family. But if we're gonna relate... Here's the thing, we need to deal with this root of rejection. And the first way it manifests, a root of rejection manifests is through anger. People who have outbursts of anger have a spirit of rejection where they go into uncontrollable rage and you know, maybe punching holes in walls as something comes over them and know they're not the Hulk. You know no, they're not there as a superhero. And in fact, in a lot of places, they do damage. You know, they can't control themselves. And often the root of that is rejection. You know, it can be a personal disorder, but, but it can't be because we've given the enemy a foothold where there's been hurt in our life. And so we react to it by, by anger. In fact, we let the enemy in, just like Saul did when, when God rejected him from being king because he wouldn't obey him. Saul went into fits of rage. And I've found that angry, abusive men are often afraid of themselves and often afraid of confronting who they really are. Here, here's the deal. You can't have a relationship with the person that you're hiding from. Not with, your God, not with God, not with your wife, not with a child. And relationships are built when we stop hiding from ourselves. Some of us have growing up in family where it's just normal to have outbursts of rage. That's all we've known and we think that's how you deal with stuff. But I wanna declare it's not right because there's always a victim on the other side of our anger. So the first one is anger. You know, this morning as I went through this, some people go, like this, And uh, in fact, one girl came to me and said, man, that first one, that's my partner. And then she said, well, as you went through the other six, I found they were all me. <laughs> uh, so don't worry if you think, oh yeah, here, here we go. Next one, next one. Uh, the root of rejection manifests itself through insecurity. People who are po- constantly needing attention. Uh, uh, people who constantly need to be propped up. Encouragement is good. But, but, but when you need it, you know, people who are overly concerned about their appearance, uh, they spend a whole lot of time on, on the outer person rather than developing the inner person. It's like the time they take to get ready. Now, now looking good's important. I'm, I'm saying that's, that's important. But, but sometimes there's overindulgence. When you take 100 photos to post one, it may be a little bit of an overindulgence. When you spend hours working out the filters, you know, that insecurity is often, a, a, at the heart of it, is a fear of rejection. And it's a wound that you need to deal with. So insecurity. How many are insecure from time to time? Lift your hand. All those who didn't lift their hand are insecure. <laughs> okay, I get that. I know it's an old one, but it's a good one. Okay, number three is pride, pride. Is a root of rejection people who, who who have to talk about their accomplishments all the time, and you say something good's going on in your life, it's almost like they have to one up it <laughs> yeah you know, uh, sometimes you can 't even get a word in because the whole conversation is dominated about what they 're doing, what they 're involved in, and how good they are. How many have been part of a conversation like that before? you know they believe they're right and they never can be wrong and sometimes this pride is is a result of deep wounding because. This person, we've been hurt and we vow, I'm never gonna be hurt again. So I'm not gonna give them an opportunity to be part of a conversation where I could be threatened or hurt. And we accomplish this by masking it by self-sufficiency. I'm a self-made man. That's a lie. It's a myth. It's like the guy with the comb over who thinks he's pretending he's got hair, but everybody can see he hasn't. Uh, just, uh, it's just uh, it's recognizable to everybody else, but we're not owning it ourselves. And pride, the fourth area is independence, uh, where people keep people at arm's length. They keep, uh, they, they keep a guard over them. You know, it, it's really hard to become close to that person. Uh, they make decisions in isolation. How many know some of the dumbest decisions we make? are the decisions we make isolated, where we don't bring other counsel in. In fact, the Bible says wisdom is found in the multitude of counselors. And and often uh, this this independence stems from rejection or perceived abandonment in the past. And it's a safeguard against pain. And so what we do is we build walls around us and we think, oh, I'll I'll just be self-sufficient, I'll be independent. Fifth area is an area of touchiness. Just touch your neighbor. So you touch someone, it's like massive reaction. You know, with some people, it's like, oh, yeah, don't go there, man. There'll be an eruption. How many know if there's a no-go-there zone, there's no freedom? In any relationship, we should be able to go there and have an honest, open talk about things. If there's a no-go-there zone because you fear eruption, something's wrong at the heart. You know, we having to tread on eggshells. It's like some people you can't even joke with. It's just a joke. Get over it. You know, it's like, really? It wasn't, but oh, I took that to heart. Now, I know some people are more sensitive than others, but I'm talking about an ultra sensitivity here. Yeah, okay, so the next one, touchiness or easily offended. Number six is excessive loneliness or shyness. Key word here is excessive. Now, some of us are introverts. I'm not talking about being an introvert. I'm talking a a shyness where you won't engage with people who can help you, who who you need because you're shy. And it's this irrational fear of people that gets a hold of your life. Even coming into crowds, I know some people just fear it. And and at the heart of it is a root of rejection. Number seven seven is a need to control, control and manipulation. Anybody who controls and manipulates carries a spirit of rejection because they have to control other people's responses. And what it boils down to is I've been hurt in the past. So you want to control them so that they don't reject you in the future. You know, these people often interrupt a lot. And they'll try and turn it back on you. You come to them seeking to confront something, talk about something, but suddenly you go away and it's your issue. You know, people who control and manipulate, they deflect very quickly. You know, if they come to you, if you go to them with an issue, it's almost like, yeah, but you do that. And sometimes they even do it, they control and, and manipulate through pity. Trying to get other people to feel sorry for them. You know, now I can tell you another way that people manipulate is, is through crying. Through crying as well. It's like as soon as you confront them, they start crying. Start crying. And, and it's almost like, well, stop it. You're hurting me. But you can't talk about anything. And, and so you, you can't talk about it because they're crying. It's, it's like a little kid. You know, how many know they cry to get what they want? They, they cry, you know, they cry and it looks to everybody else like you're killing them. <laughs> uh, but if you just give them an ice cream, life's a whole lot better. <laughs> yeah, and as, as some people are like that, they, they cry until they get what they want. Do you know, also silence is a form of manipulation. Come on, those people who give the silent treatment. No, I'm saying we all need space, but when you're giving the silent treatment, you're, you're manipulating and you're trying to inc- control that environment. And the defense mechanisms that are put in place, it's like walls are built, arms are carried. But the problem is the walls that were built, yeah, they may protect that place of vulnerability that hurts, but they also stop us living a life of intimacy and connection. Uh, The walls we build, yeah, they may stop some of the bad stuff coming in that have hurt our life, but they also stop the good things that God wants to bring our way. How many know there's no pain like relational pain? There's no pain on earth like relational pain. Physical pain, most of us can tolerate. But relational pain, man, that goes to a whole nother level. And the enemy knows it. And he'll do whatever he can to keep you living in pain or living short of what God's purpose for your relational destiny. See, the devil wants to mess with your emotions. He wants to mess with your emotions in such a way that he causes them to go out of control, where they're just all over the place, or he wants to get you to a place where they're shut down and where you're just numb on the inside. Either way, you will never experience the richness of the relationships that God has for your life. Come on, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. The brokenhearted, those who've been shattered. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Those who have been bruised. And when it comes to relationships, here's the deal, you don't have a choice whether or not others have power in your life. They do. But the choice is what kind of power you're going to give them. I, I just want to finish in the next 15 minutes or so, 10 to, uh, 10 to 15 minutes, just go through the four corners of relationships and the, and the levels. Because I, I want to help people. I don't want to just preach a message because I, I really believe people are going to go out of this place free. Uh, this morning, testimony is coming back already uh, as to how people were able to allow God into those places, those wounds, those hurts, and how they were, allowed to, uh, they were able to shut a door to the enemy having control over them as a result of taking advantage. So, I just quickly want to go through four different connections. It's the four corners of, of connection. You know, Henry Cloud talks about it. You know, the first corner of a connection is disconnection is when you live disconnected. How many know you can have others around you, you can be in a crowd, but still feel disconnected? Uh, you can be in a crowd, but feel lonely. Uh, it's like, oh, I'm the only one going through this. I'm the only one who has to deal with this. Uh, you can seem charming on, on the outside, but still very disconnected on the inside. In fact, sociopaths or narcissists, uh, uh, they can be very charming, But here's the deal. They're unable to make an emotional investment. And there's a disconnection because healthy relationships are two-way. They're two-way. It's it's amazing how many people in their relationship with God, it's just one way. It's what I can get from God. But they haven't developed a two-way connection. A relationship is not one way. It's two-way. It's where there's a giving and there's a receiving. Disconnection takes place when when the relationship is only in one direction. True connection, give and receive. That's why when it comes to church, so many people have a one-way relationship with the church. It's like the church is not meeting my needs. Well, it wasn't there to meet your needs. The church is a family. It's a body. It's a place where we receive, but it's a place where we give. Jesus said, freely as you have received, freely, freely. Come on, I need a little bit of feedback right now. This is not a one-way conversation. (laughs) Uh, When you shut up shop to people, over time what happens is things get worse. It's almost like the lies of the enemy. Uh, That the enemy tells us, have no filter. I I talked about this this morning. The enemy loves to mask himself as the comforter. Uh, He comes as an angel of light. That's what Paul says. And he loves to pretend he's the Holy Spirit. He's the comforter. And so when somebody hurts us, when somebody does something to us, the enemy will come and put his arm around us and say, man, what they said to you, man, that was really rough. You don't deserve that. Who are they to talk to you like that? You shouldn't trust them any longer. You know, you, you need to remember what they just said there because you don't want to get too close to them. So every time a hurt comes in, the enemy masks himself as an angel of light. It us. But why we hold unforgiveness towards that? that person, and we don't invite Jesus into that situation. It's it's almost like we allow, if we put our arms around the enemy, a spirit to come in and destroy us and take us away from what God originally... You're following me right now. And and we've got to really understand that, that, here's the thing, is when you're not in connection with other people, you have no filter. It's a filter with other people. It's a, the proximity to other people that, that can help you identify that's a flippin' lie. That's not true. You shouldn't be believing that. They're not like that. But when you're isolated, you don't have that ability. See, all the dumb decisions we make, they're often made in isolation. And as I said, independence and self-sufficiency is a myth. That lie that says, I don't need anyone else. That's what people say who've been hurt and the enemies come in and convince them that they don't need anyone else. If you find yourself in a situation where, where there's absolutely nowhere where you can be vulnerable, where there's nowhere where you can connect to people for energy, support, and downloads, I wanna declare something's really wrong in your life. We all need that place of vulnerability. Okay, number two, second corner. Second corner is bad connections. How many know the chip inside of us? No, it's not the mark of the beast. But part of our design is always searching, even when we're not aware of it. And the connecting chip makes a decision. Sometimes it says a bad relationship is better than no relationship. Here's the deal for the single people. There's something worse Than not being married. And that's being married to an idiot. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, But the connection chip in us sometimes says, oh, well, uh, a a bad relationship is better than no relationship. I mean, no, nobody seeks out a bad relationship. Uh, But it's more common than we choose to admit. Now, bad relationships make you feel bad, make you not feel good about yourself, inferior, perhaps even defective in some ways. Bad relationships put unreasonable demands on you. Bad relationships carry a critical spirit. They withhold praise. Bad relationships deal in shame. They deal in guilt and put-downs and silence. And what happens is in a a bad relationship, you feel less than the person God's made you to be. It's like your passion gets diverted and diminished. And it's like you're playing defense all all the time that you don't even have time to swing a punch. It's like you're in the corner just trying to defend yourself. And and it's like you can't move forward. That's what a bad relationship does. It's like you go from one problem to another problem to another problem. But, and it doesn't feel like you're making ground. So, so corner one is, is like we've got disconnection, but corner two, we've got bad connections. For the sake of time, we're gonna move quickly. Corner three is when we've got the seductively false connection. The seductively false connection. Let's face it, no one wants to feel isolated, alone, and inadequate. Nobody wants to feel that. They're they're unpleasant feelings. Nobody likes those feelings. So so soon the connection chip on the inside of you is gonna say, hey, enough of this. I wanna feel good. Because remember, corner two makes you feel bad. It makes you feel like you're not good enough. But corner three is the opposite. It's going hey, you're gonna feel good. And sometimes you're gonna feel really, really good. But this connection chip searches for things in the wrong place. And in the end, it connects uh, with things that, that cause addictions. This is where our fears come from. This is where people get attached to promotions or awards or, or positive results. Because they make you feel good. You know, if I just acquire that, if I had that. If I had the accolades of others, I'd feel secure about myself. You know, sometimes it can be food, it can be sex, it can be drugs, but it gives you that instant gratification and and the seductively false connections, and they are all attempt to soothe your soul. Uh, The problem is painkillers don't cure the disease. Painkillers don't cure the disease. They just numb us. And we've got a world right now who are living in corner three. Because they've gone from disconnection. They've experienced bad connections. And so now, thus today, they've been seduced into false connections. And they think this will satisfy. You know, as a leader, you know, we like hearing good news. But flattery is one of the worst drugs how many know corner one and corner two are horrible they're places you don't want to live corner three is let the good times roll so it can feel good here's the deal don't get stuck in corner three turn to your neighbor and say don't get co- stuck in corner three because there's a roundabout in corner three there's a roundabout here's the deal so you're in corner one what are you in corner one you're you're disconnected. So you realize you need to make a connection. So you reach out, you make an effort, you make a connection. Then you find yourself in corner two, which is? Bad connection. You get hurt. It's painful. And because of that, you need to do something to feel good again. Which is simply corner two in a different package. But you go a corner three. Feel good, but you connect with the wrong thing. So you go back to corner one and you're in a bad relationship. And then you think, man, humans are useless. <laughs> the world sucks. Yeah. And you disconnect from everything. And then you come to a place because their chips always searching. And go, I need to make a connection. You get into a bad relationship. And then you get seduced into a false connection. And then you go to a bad relationship. Then you go to disconnect. And you go round and round the merry-go-round. Come on, how many can identify what I'm talking about? But I want to declare tonight that God has a relational destiny for your life. That's about good connections. If we could have the musicians up. And recognizing and embracing our need for them is step one into making good connections. Now, church is important. Why? Because it's one big family. It's how God says, How are you to sort this thing out, how are you to find my purpose when it comes to family. I said this morning, You need to be a Christian to survive church. You need to operate in the spirit of love and forgiveness. None of us in this room would admit to being perfect or say they're perfect. We're not perfect by any measure. We're not perfect. But here's the deal. In church, we're gonna to strive to be authentic. we have got to get real with God. I need you, God. Once you're real with God, God begins to speak into your life and declare who you are as a person. Some of you think you're shy and insecure. That's not who you are. That's not who God's created you. Come on, you're courageous. You're bold. You're more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Come on, just because you did it doesn't mean you have to become it. Some of you have let your mistakes become part of your identity. You failed once, and that spirit of rejection's got in you, and you thought, oh, well, I failed at that. I failed that test. I'm not intelligent. And you've let a lie of the enemy come into your mind and tell you that you're no good when it comes to education, and you've ridden yourself off, and it stopped you connecting. Come on, some of you have listened to words from parents. And they've projected that your parents, not bad people, but they've projected their dysfunction on you. It's time to break the cycle in Jesus' name. And it's time to get real with God. Because when you get real with God, you begin to learn about yourself. You can be real with yourself. And then you get to be real with others. You get to build authentic, life-giving relationships. Here's the deal, we're not perfect, but we're striving to be authentic. See, we all need oxygen. We all need water. We all need food. But it's important for us to embrace our need of them. Now, none of those things that kidnap us, tie us up and force themselves on us but here's the deal we all have to give them permission for them to enter our body you have to give them permission to enter your system why because you need them and as a result of embracing them you thrive and you grow you take into your system needs from the outside And here's the deal, relationships are as critical to life as oxygen, water, and food. You need them. Without them, something on the inside dies. Without them, you're just restricted to what's on your phone. You're in airplane mode. You can't download anything new. Without them, without life-giving relationships, you're stuck. But the moment you embrace your need, is there you go to a new level. It's there you are able to access something bigger and better. See, the trick of a roundabout is to get off the right exit. That's the that's trick of a roundabout, going around, is to get off the right exit. A, the way to God is just embracing your need of Him. Uh, the, the person who says, I don't need God, is selling themselves a lie. See, if you acknowledge your need of Him, if you humble yourself, the Bible says "Is there you access God's grace. Come on, how many want God's grace in their life? How many want God's grace in their relationships? Come on, as a church, we want this place to be filled, overflowing with God's grace. We need God's grace. I can't do this by myself. I can't do this alone. I can't be a good dad. I can't be a good brother. I can't be a good friend without God. Man, there's some things I struggle with, but I need God to come in and to speak to me and resource me so that I can become the person He's called me to be. God's got a place of belonging. But that place of belonging is a place that's flooded with God's grace. So mean, I can do this family thing all by myself. Well, you do it, see how it works out. Statistics would say we can't. That's why there's a breakdown in the family unit. That's why divorce. Divorce is costing our society, monetary, massive sums of dollars. But yet we think we can sow seeds of division and undermine the family unit on one thing and not suffer the consequences over here. Come on, there's a way and it's God's way and that way leads to life. It leads to freedom. It leads to joy. It leads to relationships. Come on, it's God's way. And we need to be a people who don't just sit in church and do it our own way. We need to come into community and do it God's way. Come on, how many believe that tonight?